You're listening to City Church. All right, good morning, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and I am not Forrest Gump. <laughs> I do like bacon, though. A <laughs> um, couple parts of my story, I guess I'll straighten out. Um, so my pharmacy degree is from Seattle, Washington, University of Washington. Uh, so I'm not wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers shirt today. Somebody asked me about that. Um, you can guess where my loyalties lie. Um, but if you're a Pittsburgh fan, God bless you. Um, um, so grateful to be a part of this church. Always humbling to be up here because uh, I feel like most of you that we're incredibly blessed to have an amazing communicator like Justin Kendrick. Um, so very humble, yeah. <clears throat> Um, but it's a great privilege for me to be up here. Most of, uh, as Justin said, most of what we do now is international, so I don't stand and uh, preach as much in the States. Most of it's overseas, uh, usually through translation. So we've been in 50 countries in the last uh, six years. So if I suddenly pause in the middle of the sermon, I'm probably waiting for my translator, so just bear with me, okay? That's just part of the deal here. Um, but no, just so glad to be a part of this. I don't know if you were impressed. I was. Uh, the book that came out, Our Story. Incredible, yeah? I mean, we look at what God's been up to, and if you've not really been a part of all that, this is a time to step in. I mean, you really need to. You hear it often, this is not the norm for New England. We're part of something very special. And so you need to be a part of that. Okay, God needs you to be, you need to be, we all need each other. Uh, so I really want to encourage that. Um, before we get into the main part of the message, two things. I want to pray and then share a statistic with you. But Father, we invite you into this moment. We ask that you would be the one to speak. Help me, Lord, not get in the way of what you have for each of us. Speak to me. Speak to each person here. Help us to not just love the idea of God, but to fall deeply in love with you. Speak to us, Lord, and may it move us into a new year, really stepping into what you have for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I thought since many of us are going to be doing a countdown on New Year's Eve, uh, today we would start with the top five reasons that people are late to city church. Okay. <clears throat> Here's a, what a random survey revealed. Top five reasons people are late. Uh, number five, Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, number four, baby, it's cold outside. Number three, it's my only day to sleep in. Number two, East Coast time, pure and simple. Number one reason people are late to church, you can hear the band in the parking structure anyway. Okay, there you go. <clears throat> I can't hardly believe, and I wonder if, can you believe 2014 is almost over? Is it just me, or are the calendars speeding up? It seems like life just gets faster and faster. If you're an average American based on life expectancy and using a clock as an illustration of how many years you have left in life, if you're 22 years old, it's 8.20 in the morning. If you're 32, it's 11.20 in the morning. You have 2,122 weeks left. If you're 42, it's 3.20 in the afternoon. And if, it's, if you're 52, it's 6.20 in the evening. You have 1,092 weeks left. The point is, whatever you're going to do with your life, you'd better get on with it because time keeps moving forward. So the question I really want to raise as we step out of the beautiful season of Christmas and into the new year is, what will you do with 2015? How will this year be any different from last year? 
How many of you would like to see 2015 be better than 2014? Okay, hopefully all of us, hopefully all of us. But maybe last year for you was a year of challenge. Maybe it was a year of change or even crisis. For some of you, it may have been a year of failure. The good news is that Thursday, we get to start over. God brings us life in bite-sized pieces. He brings it in hours, days, months, years. And the new year can be a chance to say, let's wipe the slate clean and let's start with a brand new year. It's like starting over. Now, some of you, you would have said, I had a great year. But you know that God has more. There's another level that God wants to take you to. So the question is, will you participate with him? Because he will take you there if you work with him. Now, if you'd like to take notes, I encourage you to take notes today. If you want to give this talk a title, you can write at the top, How to Make the Most of 2015. How will 2015 be any better than 2014? The key really is this. You must have a plan. You don't just go into 2015 and say, I hope it's going to be better. You have to have a plan to make it better. Proverbs 17, 24 is where I want to start. Look at that verse with me. It says, sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. Now, for many of us, the last part of that verse describes 2014. We were headed off in many directions, eyes wandering to the ends of the earth. The first part says sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom. That means you set a goal. You know what you're aiming at. You have a target. Have you set any goals for 2015? Are you just going to walk into this new year hoping that it's going to be better, that it's going to be different? You have to have a plan. So this morning, on the brink of this new year, I want to give you first four keys to help you maximize 2015. The ABCs, if you will. Going to make it easy, A, B, C, and D. So the A is this. A, assume responsibility for my life. Assume responsibility. Now, this is not a popular idea because in our culture, we have this idea called political correctness. That basically says that, that none of my problems are my fault. Everything that happens is somebody else's fault. Blame it on someone else. Blame the environment, global warming. Blame the educator. Blame your parents. Blame the government. Blame anybody else, but it's not your fault. If you get in an accident, it's someone else's liability. If you spill coffee on yourself, Sue McDonald's, it's their fault. Always someone else's fault. But you're never going to make your life count if that's your attitude. You must assume responsibility for your own life. Galatians 6.5 is kind of key in this. It says, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. The fact is my choices determine a lot more than my circumstances do. You can't control your circumstances. You don't know what's going to happen to you in the next 365 days. I don't know what's going to happen to me. But you can control your actions and your reactions. The first key to making 2015 better than 2014 is to say, okay, I can't control the circumstances, but my actions and my reactions will be determined by my choices, and I'm going to choose to be different in 2015. Now, there's three kinds of people in life. There's accusers, there's excusers, and there's choosers. Accusers always blame someone else. Their three favorite words are you, always, never. It's never my fault, always your fault. Then there's excusers. Excusers always have an excuse for whatever happens. There's always a reason. And I found that whenever I want to procrastinate on something, uh, any excuse will do in that situation. Proverbs 22:13 talks about this. It says, the lazy person claims there's a lion out there. 
If I go outside, I might be killed. In other words, we're just full of excuses. But accusers and excusers always end up losers. So you need to be a chooser. Choosers say, I choose to assume responsibility for my life. I won't blame anyone else, no excuses. I choose the direction my feet are headed. I assume responsibility. And if you'll do that, you're off to a great start in 2015. The B, believe I can change. Stop saying I can't and start saying I can. Those who say I can't and those who say I can are both right. Philippians 4.13 says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Do you really believe that verse? Okay, I can do everything. That means there's nothing I'm going to hit. No situation in the next 365 days, no problem, no situation, no circumstance that I can't handle. On my own effort? No, that's not what it says. But through Christ who gives me strength. Now, if there's anything that drives me a little bit, uh, puts me in tension, it's just the whole idea of positive thinking. This is not positive thinking. We're talking about supernatural power. You're not just psyching yourself saying, I think I can, I think I can. That's not what it is. There's a difference between pop psychology and Christianity. Many self-help books out there that will give you all kinds of ideas on what to do, but there's no power behind it to do it. That's why you need Jesus Christ in your life. I can handle anything. I believe I can change, not on my own power, but with the power that Christ gives me. Now, the Bible is full of stories about people who changed because they believed they could change after God talked to them. God comes to a guy named Moses. I want you to save the nation, God tells him. And, and Moses says, me, I got kicked out of Egypt because I killed a guy. Now I'm out here herding sheep. Top of that, I stutter. I'm slow of speech. You want me to be the spokesman for the nation? And God says, yes, I'm going to use you. God came to a guy named Gideon when the nation of Israel was being overrun, and he said, I want to use you, Gideon, to save the nation. And Gideon said, me? I'm the youngest kid in the poorest family in the smallest tribe. And God said, yes, I'm going to use you. God comes to Jeremiah and says, I want you to be my spokesman, my preacher. Jeremiah says, me? I'm Mr. Depressed. I'm down in the dumps all the time. Not only that, I'm a teenager. But God said, I'm going to use you. He uses a depressed teenager. And God wants to use you. First, you must assume that responsibility for your life, and then you must believe that God can make a change in you, that God can give you the power if you just trust in Him and walk in His way. The C, really important one, clarify what I really want. You must decide what's important and what isn't important. God gave us an incredible gift, and it's called freedom to choose, freedom of choice. Job said this in Job 34, he said, the ear tests the words it hears just as my mouth distinguishes between food. So let us discern what's right. Let us learn together what is good. Let us learn together what, what's good. It's, that means to clarify what I really want. Let's learn together and let's go after that. Now it's amazing to me that most people never do this. They never stop and think through and write down on paper what's really important to them. I would guess many of you have never done this. You've never stopped to think, what are my values? What's important to me? What really counts? You can't know what's important until you clarify in your own life what's important. My experience is if you don't do that, life is just going to push you around in this next year, back and forth, 
doing this, doing that, all of a sudden the end of the year comes and you say, what got done? What happened? You must stop. You must say, what really matters to me? What does God want to do in my life? Why am I here? Because if you aim at nothing in life, you're going to hit it. Now this week, I want to encourage you to take a block of time, take two, three hours, more if you can, and sit down and write two things on a piece of paper. First, what do I value? What do I value? What do I value in life? And the second thing is, what do I want to change? What do I want to change? You've got to believe you can change, and you've got to pinpoint what you want to change. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And maybe you've never asked because you've never really thought about what it is you want to see change. What do I value? What do I want to change? Write it down. Make it your prayer list. Put it somewhere. Pray it every day. Review it every day. 1 Corinthians 10.23 says, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And then it goes on and says, but every, not everything is beneficial. Now, in your life, most of us in here as Christians, your choice isn't between good and evil. Okay? It's not like you're choosing, am I going to have a quiet time or am I going to murder my mother-in-law? Okay? You don't think like that. Okay? No, the question really is between good and better and better and best. Okay, 1 Corinthians says, I'm, not, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Some things aren't necessarily wrong. They're just not as beneficial as other things you could be doing. You don't have time for everything. Isn't that your experience? Mine is life just seems to get busier all the time. You don't have time for everything, even good things. So you need to figure out what are the two or three things you really want to get done this year. And to do that, you're probably going to need to cut out a few things that are less important. So ask, what is really important to me? And as you ask that question of yourself, what's, I would urge you to think about not only what is important, but say, what's going to last? Because that's really what's most important. What will be of lasting significance? A lot of things just aren't going to last. Now, I've asked DeAndre to come out and to help me kind of illustrate this. Many of you are wondering if we were having a Christmas giveaway, you know, like the shopping thing where you got 60 seconds to grab something. Um, that's not what this is. Uh, DeAndre is like the rest of us. He's a busy guy. He has lots of things he does. And, and really, none of these things up here are bad. They're all good. Some of these things help us in what we're going to talk about in a little bit as far as just keeping fit. But DeAndre is going to pick up things that he has going on in his life. I just go ahead and grab everything you can get hold of there, brother. But think of yourself. I could have had any of you come up here and start picking up things that are important to you, that are good, that you enjoy, all these gifts of God, good things, but we really, <laughs> wow, ballet, I didn't know. Okay, DeAndre, whoo, okay. Way to go. Sarah Flashman, very happy back there. Um, soccer, there we go. Okay, so this is a, a little bit of his life. Your life probably looks a little bit like that. Is that everything, brother, or you got anything else there? Okay, weights, okay, there we go. All right, so life is full of choices. Again, all these things, good things. But what about the best things? I want to read a scripture, DeAndre, and then see if you can help me out with this. Matthew 16, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. So, brother, I'm not asking you to put anything down, but can you grab your cross? Because I know God has a lot in store for you in 2015. 
Okay, don't hit me with the skis. All right, thank you. Okay, it's not going to work, is it? Okay. All right, brother. Give him a hand. Yeah, okay. I think you get the point. We, um, we all have a lot of stuff going on. My wife and I are ruthless with our schedule. We regularly sit down and look at what is the balance of what's going on in our life because it really determines a lot on making choices. And again, my experience is you're going to have to choose between a lot of good things to go to the best thing. I've heard it said, and I think it's true, we sometimes sacrifice the best on the altar of a lot of good things. So make the right choices. Now, as a pastor, Justin mentioned, I pastored churches in Montana and Honolulu, Hawaii for over 10 years. And I was part of a lot of funerals during that time. I've been at the bedside of many people as they were dying. But not once have I had someone who was there near death say, you know, as I look back over my life, I sure wished I had worked more. I've never had anybody say, I wished I'd skied a lot more. Not those who were walking closely with God. But I have heard people say to me, I wished I'd spent more time with my family. Or I wished I'd really gotten to know God better. I know he wanted that. Or I wished I'd worked on some character things in my life that I know were important to God. So I encourage you, clarify what's important before it's too late. That's the C. Now the D, don't wait to begin. Do it now. Three words that'll change your life, do it now. There will never be an ideal time to start on that change or to grow in a certain area. Do it now. Don't wait to begin. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Living Bible translate that, if you, want, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Probably the phrase I hear as often or more often than anything else in New Haven is, when things settle down. They're not going to settle down, okay? That's called life. It's not going to settle down. If you use that as an excuse, when things settle down, I'll start having a daily quiet time with God and read my Bible every day. You're never going to do it because it's not going to settle down. You need to learn to have a time in the Word when life is unsettled because life is like that. When things settle down, I'll spend time with my kids. If you wait to do that, your kids are going to be grown and gone. That's when things settle down. Don't wait for that. When things settle down, I'll rekindle my romance with my spouse. If you wait for that, your love life's going to die on the vine. Life must be enjoyed under imperfect circumstances. Whatever you're going to do, do it now. Because things are not going to settle down until you're in the grave. Now, we not only procrastinate working on our goals, um, we procrastinate even setting them. Less than 5% of Americans have written down goals for their lives. But surveys show those 5% are more accomplished and more content with their life. So I want to help you with this because if you don't do this today, if you procrastinate and say, okay, that all sounds good, I'll do it next week on my day off, it's not going to get done. 2015 is going to come and go, and you're going to think, what happened? Nothing really changed. So together, this morning, I want us to set some goals. Now, the four things we mentioned, those are really key, A, B, C, and D. But the question eventually comes to, how do I set my personal goals for 2015? What can I use as a, as a guide, as a grid? Well, if you're a Christian, your ultimate goal is to become like Jesus. 
So we have to ask ourselves, how did Jesus develop that would help us? And Luke 2.52 tells us he developed in four ways. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and all the people. That means if I want to become like Jesus, I must develop the four ways he did. Develop in wisdom, that's intellectual development. In stature, that's physical development. In favor with God, that's spiritual development. And in favor with people, that's social, relationship, development. That's what I want us to look at as part of the message. Four personal growth goals. And I want to encourage you, more than likely as we walk through these, you're going to have a thought come to mind almost immediately. Write it down. You can add to it later. You can change it. But often that first thought is something the Lord's highlighting. So I want you to take out, you should have gotten one of these inside of your welcome packet. It says how to make the most out of 2015, and these four areas are there. Jot something down, one thing under each one, put it on your refrigerator, post it on the mirror in the bathroom, someplace that you're going to see this every day, and then begin to really pray through it and walk through it. So let's go through these together. Okay, the first is your intellectual area, okay? Ask yourself, what do I want to learn next year? Years ago, there was a television ad that said, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. God gave you your mind. It's a gift, but it's like a muscle. If you use a muscle, it gets stronger. Okay, it gets much stronger, but if you ignore a muscle, it atrophies. It gets weak. Same thing with your brain. Okay, you don't want an atrophied brain. <laughs> Proverbs 19 says, to acquire wisdom is to love yourself. People who cherish understanding will prosper. Ask yourself, what do I want to learn this year? Maybe you set a book reading goal and you determine you're going to read a certain number of books this year. Maybe it's an educational goal, like I think I'll take a class at the University of New Haven or Quinnipiac. Maybe it's learn a new language. Maybe it's improve your computer skills. I'm so proud of my wife, and I'm going to embarrass her right now. Um, this fall, she did something she'd wanted to do for a long time, and she completed a master gardener course at the University of Connecticut. Deb grew up on a farm. She's always loved that kind of thing. But I tell you what, I admire her. It was really difficult. It was a difficult course. She worked hard. It was very difficult. But she would tell you she was so blessed by that. But she's still soaking her brain in the hot tub when she gets to the pool. It was that hard, okay? Set an intellectual goal, and then go after it. Okay, set a goal, it'll stimulate you so that to the end of next year, you are a little bit smarter than you were when this year began. And God will use that in your life. It's good stewardship of this brain God gave us. And a side effect of it, Deb's experience was, she interacted with a whole bunch of people she would have never met or interacted with otherwise. It was a great witness for her. So do that. Second area, physical goal. What will improve my health next year? Lose some weight, go to bed earlier, get on an exercise routine, change some eating habit, develop some kind of stress relief, start walking, something. I've done many things over the years. Done the gym thing, I've mountain biked and swam and ran, and this last year I've walked an hour each morning, and I want to continue that, keep stretching that. The Bible offers tips in this area. Proverbs 17.22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. For some of you, God's health tip is lighten up. <laughs> lighten up. Don't sweat the small stuff, because it's all small stuff to God. 
okay? It's all small stuff. So get out there, keep this temple of the Holy Spirit fit and able. The third area is your spiritual goals. What will deepen my relationship with God? What one thing would make the biggest difference in my relationship with God? Not 10 things, what one thing? 1 Timothy 4.8 says physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Now, it's saying that last area, your physical goal, that's good, that's right, but don't neglect what's even better. Set a spiritual goal. 2 Peter 3 says, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What one thing would make the biggest difference in your relationship with God? It might be for some of you, what have you known to do? All last year you said you were going to do something and you never did. Maybe that's your goal, to set it and say, I'm really going to do it. Or for some here, maybe you've never asked Jesus to be the manager or the Lord of your life. We had three people last service make that decision. That's your starting point. Don't delay that kind of decision into the new year. Today you can say, I want a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you come from a church background where baptism was not really talked about. Okay, If you believe in Jesus but have never been baptized or you never really made that decision for yourself, maybe you were so young you barely remember it, this should be your first goal. I would say to you, what are you waiting for? This is a great step for you to take. What better way to start the new year than to do that? Now, I want to highlight for you, you, there's two cards you got in your welcome packet. The one we're having you write a goal in, but the other one, the welcome card, that's going to be turned in at the end. If this is you, you ought to check that box that says, I would like to be baptized. Make sure your phone number's there. Somebody will contact you. But it's a way to walk in the new year saying, I'm not ashamed to say, I believe in Jesus. I'm going to be baptized. And then maybe you ought to consider becoming a church member here at City Church to be more a part of what God is doing. We offer these quarterly. Our next uh, membership class is February the 8th. It'll be at our Westville office. Encourage you to check the box on your welcome card, membership class. If you have already done that, then keep your eyes open and ears open for other opportunities to learn and to take classes. Financial peace. Jeremy, you're in here, okay? Financial peace, the men's thing was mentioned. There's opportunities that will be coming up through the calendar year. Keep your eye open for those and come and be a part. A big one coming up is maybe you've not gotten involved with a community group yet. If you haven't, you really should. Okay, In two weeks, on January 11th, we're going to be having sign-ups. You should sign up for a community group. Or maybe start tithing, or, or maybe a daily quiet time. Maybe you're going to say, I'm going to go on a silent and solitude retreat every quarter. Maybe the next encounter, I'm going to attend that. But write something down so that at the end of the year, you won't be saying, nothing really changed for me. Okay, you need a plan, so set a goal. The last one, you need to set a social goal. It's all about relationships, and the question with this one is, what will be my ministry to others? God doesn't want you to just think of yourself. God doesn't bless selfishness. 1 Peter 4.10 as God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to make a million bucks in 2015. No, that's not what it says. Use them well to serve one another. Anytime you help someone, that's called ministry. It's called service. And we serve God by serving other people. Next year is going to be an amazing year. 
Justin said that. I really agree with him. And this is the year for many of you, you need to get off the bench spiritually. You've been sitting on the sidelines, watching other people kind of perform the plays, but you have gifts, you have talents and abilities. We need you to put them into action. Two weeks ago, Justin shared with us God's vision for City Church for 2015. It's audacious. It's crazy. It's exciting. It's risky. But I believe, along with the other elders, it is God's vision for us. And to see God accomplish what he wants to see accomplished, it's going to take all of us to get involved. We really need you to, to do that. Maybe in the last year you committed your life to Christ, you committed your treasure to him, but now he's saying, I want your whole life, I want your gifts, your talents, I want you to have a ministry. So set a goal to discover and get involved in a ministry. Again, I want to point you back to on your goal card, you ought to identify that, so you make sure you keep yourself accountable. But also write in the welcome card, there's a part that says, serve with us. If you don't see an area that seems to make sense to you, just write off to the side, I want to serve, and we'll help you find a place. But we need everybody to get involved. Somebody will, somebody will contact you. Less than 5% of Americans do this, set goals. So if you do this today, you're in the top 5%. So make sure you complete it before you leave here today. And then I want you to make sure you share it with someone. Help them to keep you accountable and put it up in your house where you're going to see it every day. Make it your prayer list. Pray over it and begin to take the action. Do it and do it now. now just a couple general things. Don't make the goals so vague or generic that really, you know, you don't know what you're really doing. Like, I'm going to lose weight. Don't do that. Say, I'm going to lose 15 pounds. And make sure they're attainable goals. Don't set it so far out there that you're going to just totally discourage yourself. If you're not praying on a regular basis, don't say, I'm going to pray three hours a day. You might want to start with 15 minutes a day. Okay, set a reasonable goal. Now, I know that some of you are tuning out a little bit because you're thinking, look, I've tried this. I've done the New Year's resolution thing. Lasts about two weeks. I set goals. I just don't follow through. Can't stay with it. I just don't seem to have the power to change. And I would say to you, you're exactly right. That's why you must walk with Jesus Christ on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's the difference between self-help psychology and Christianity. All kind of books that will tell you what to do, but there's no power in that. Resolutions won't last two weeks if you don't get this verse working in your life. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. His mighty power gives you the power to make the commitment, and even as important or more important is the power to keep the commitment. Sometimes we say, you know, I, I want to do what's right, but I just don't seem to do it. And I'd say, welcome to the human race. Okay? We all do that. Okay, that's called your sin nature. We all have that. Isn't it true we often do things that aren't good for us or are wrong? And isn't it true that even when we know the right thing to do, sometimes we delay it or we procrastinate? That's called our sin nature. But Jesus came to die on the cross to deal with that. Romans 6 says, When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. So you also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. I find even most Christians don't understand the power of the cross. Most Christians think the power of the cross is simply to forgive my sins in the past. That's true, but that's only a portion of it. That's part of the power of the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for three things. 
He paid for the penalty of your sin in the past. That means I can be forgiven, and that's good news. But second, he also paid to break the power of sin in my life today, in the present. That means he gives you the strength to break the habits and the hang-ups that keep messing you up. And thirdly, he paid so one day I can be released from the presence of sin forever. That's called heaven. It's a wonderful hope that we have if we're believers in Jesus. There'll be no sin. That's the power of the cross. Now, to procrastinate on these goals today, it's an unfortunate thing if you choose to do that. But there's something far worse, and that's procrastinating on your decision to give your life to Jesus Christ. Someone here today has thought about this for weeks, months, maybe even years. Don't drag that indecision into the new year. I encourage you, open your heart today to Jesus. He wants to set you free from that sin of the past and to free you with power today to overcome the things that still entangle you. And he wants to give you hope for that day where there'll be no more sin in all of eternity. So I want to invite you personally today to make sure you receive that. Let's pray together. Let's go into this new year determined to really walk into all God has for us. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you. I thank you for this church family who encourages and inspires me. So many stories. The book that came out, our story, it was awesome to read those things. But Lord, I pray that at the end of this year we could do a, do a book that's four times that thick because we'll all have a story to tell. Father, you're so gracious for sending Jesus to die for us. Thank you for the power of the cross, for setting us free from the power of sin. So for some today, it's an opportunity to offer ourselves to you for the first time, but for all of us to offer ourselves again. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who empowers us to accomplish all that you have for us. What an awesome year we have before us, Lord, if we'll walk closely with you. I pray, Lord, that this church will be able to say, I really know what it means to be loved by God and to love Him. It's not just an idea to me. I've seen Him work, and it's awesome. I pray you continue to use City Church as a huge influence and as a light to this community and even to the ends of the earth. But Lord, today we just say, have your way with us. We need you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If God is using this ministry in your life, we would love to hear from you. Email us at mystory@ourcitychurch.org. For more information about the church, visit www.ourcitychurch.org.